What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the All In Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Eli Cooper, uh, coming at you today with my guy, Mike Badzig, once again. How's it going, bro? What's going on, Brody? Uh, we have an NBA show today. Yeah. Strictly NBA show today. It's, yep. it's been a while since we, you know, when this podcast started, we were pretty much an NBA show only for a while there. Yeah. There's the only thing going on for a minute. Uh, and today, a lot going on. Uh, NBA offseason in full effect. We got lots to talk about. Yeah, yeah. NBA draft was last night, and quite a few surprises, I would say. Um, and not just with the picks, but with some of the trades that happened on draft day, whether it was during the draft or um, before the draft, which we will get into all of that and more today. Um, first thing we want to talk about is make sure you guys head over to my bookie AG. Uh, where you can use the promo code ALLINPOD uh, to get a 100% match of your first deposit, a uh, minimum of $45, no more than $1,000. Uh, so you can, and this is an offshore gambling site, so you can bet on things that you wouldn't be able to bet on here in the States, uh, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. So uh, make sure you guys go ahead and uh, head over to MyBookieAG and use the promo code ALLINPOD uh, to get uh, take advantage of that promotion. So, first place we've got to start is one of the biggest superstars in the game. Reportedly, yeah. once out of Houston, uh, yeah. there's been a lot of talks about uh, pretty much everyone in Houston is unhappy. And the main guy uh, now, at first, said he wanted to stay, and now reportedly wants to force a trade to the Nets. Um, obviously, going to take a lot of moving pieces there. Yes. Um, and if it were to get done, it would create another super team uh, with obviously with Kyrie and KD being there. <clears throat> Thoughts on James Harden take this kind of a stance? I hate it. I absolutely hate it. And listen, um, we always try to be pro player. Um, we are a pro player podcast. Yes, and absolutely. we are pro player people. However. Is this pro player or pro superstar, right? Because there's about six guys in the league who can do this, who can say, I want traded and I want traded to this one location, right? It's not like he's saying, I want traded, uh, go test the market, see what you can get back. He actually completely handcuffs the Rockets here because any other team, including yours who might be interested is really going to have a tough time making a deal knowing that James Harden wants to be in Brooklyn and when his contract's up in a year and a half, he's probably going to leave anyway, right? So who's going to make that deal? Maybe someone does. Maybe someone says, we'll take it and we'll try to convince him to stay after that. But mm-hmm. it, almost, it handcuffs you so much um, that you have, feel like you have to trade him to the Nets or every other team doesn't want to trade for him besides the Nets. And then the Nets, from that perspective, can look at it and say – well, nobody else is going to offer you anything, so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep Levert. How about that? We'll keep Levert. Uh, you know, like you know what I mean. Like it just puts the Rockets in such a bad position, and it, and this is something that is relatively new to the NBA, right? We've had superstars mm-hmm. demand trades uh, for for a while now, really, really throughout NBA history. Superstars have demanded trades, and we're okay with that. 
right. demanding a trade to one specific team and saying, forget it. I'm not going to play for the next two years if you don't do it. That's kind of insane. I think that crosses a line with me. Like, like, because think about all the guys on Harden's team, right? Think about how PJ Tucker feels right now, right? You just went to, you've gone to war with this guy for the last four years. You almost got there twice. You, mm-hmm. you, you took the Warriors to the brink. You arguably could have won those games. And then he's just, you know, he goes and works out with KD in LA. And then he's like, well, I'm just going to go play with them in Brooklyn. Like, dude, like this is not pro player at all because there's eight other guys on the Rockets who are going to be screwed because of this. Think about how the Rockets as, a, as an organization, can you think of even like including LeBron James and, and the teams he's played for, can you think of an organization that has built their entire uh, system roster around one player? No, no organization has ever given as much and, 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 and built around one player the way the Rockets have built around James Harden. And mm-hmm. for him to then say, you know what, this was fun. I give up. I want to go to Brooklyn. I appreciate you guys doing all this for me, but I want to go to Brooklyn. Right. You know, in the same breath, I totally understand that owners cut players and they trade players, they pull the rug out from under them, and, and it happens all the time. Right. I totally get that. And from that perspective, it's hard for me to, to, to condemn him. But I can tell you right now, if I was the Rockets GM, I might look at James Harden and say, you know what? We're good. We'll hang on to you. Like, we don't have to trade you. Like, you you can sit the bench or you can sit out, but you're not going to get paid. If you're willing to sacrifice, you know, $40 million the next two years because you don't want to play for us, you want to force your way to Brooklyn. Like, this player empowerment stuff, uh, and, and I'm going to let you jump in and then maybe I'll jump in after that again. But um, I think, and I've talked about this before, it's, yeah, I don't know if this is actually good for the league. Yeah. So, um, well, one to your to your point about the Rockets front office, they have reported reportedly said they're perfectly fine with both Westbrook and Harden being there and being upset. Yeah. Like they <laughs> they have two whole years left under their contract. So yeah. my thing is, if I'm Houston and I'm and you're not willing to trade, you know what I want uh, for either of them, you know, and and granted, you're probably going to have to blow all this up you know, in, right. in two years anyway, um, you know, I'm, I have no, there is no pressure for Houston to, to trade um, or, or sell low on, on Harden or Westbrook for that mm-hmm. matter. Um, Cause they gave up a ton for Westbrook, uh, you know, Chris Paul and multiple picks uh, yep. in order to get Westbrook and it failed after one year. And now, you know, um, you know, now he wants out. And, and same with Harden. Like you said, they've invested so much in developing a team and roster around him uh, for him to just kind of pull the rug out from under them uh, is quite, su- is to me surprising. Uh, and, and it's weird because like a day before this rumor even came out, he was like, I'm ready to, you know, I'm ready to roll with the Rockets. And I think maybe the Nets thing was just so enticing. Um, but the, here's the difference between like what he's doing and like what Anthony Davis did previously. Uh, James Harden has no leverage, right? Cause there's two whole years left under his contract. So, uh, you know, he doesn't have the leverage of, well, you're going to lose me in a year anyway. Same with like other teams trading for him. 
um, you know, they're, they're going to have him for at least two years instead of a one year rental. Mm -hmm. So like a contending team might be more interested in trading for him right now uh, because they're like, well, you're going to have to play for us for two years or not play at all. You know what I mean? And if you want to waste two years of your early thirties, be my guest. Right. That would be, that would be my thing. If any organization uh, who's interested in James Harden or even the Rockets, I would say, you know, if you, you're not going to sit out right for, for two years in your, in your prime. I think that's unlikely, but it is unlikely, but like two years, like, and we say like, well, he's got two years left. And like, I agree. Like that's a lot of time. And I don't think he wants to waste that, but like Paul George forced his way out with two years left on the deal. Like this is the trend, right? Like yeah. this is the trend. The only thing is that he did not get where he wanted to go. Remember he yeah. wanted to go to LA he ended up in OKC, and OK, uh, and the Pacers got a lot back for him, and yes. Sabonis and Victor Oladipo, two guys that are still there, um, you know, despite all the stuff that's happening with Oladipo right now, yeah. um, he's he's still there, and you know, prior to his injury, was really good for them, and Sabonis mm. was an all star for them, so they got you know quality back for him in, in this same situation. So if I'm Houston, again, there's no need for me to sell low on yeah. James Harden or take anything less than what he's worth. Um, Cause essentially the decision is going to be, it's going to come down to, you know, you're either going to pay up for James Harden, what he's, you know, truly worth, or we'll just keep him in, uh, you know, play mediocre basketball for, for right. two years and he can, and then he can go where he wants. Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. And I, I hope so bad that they just tell him to, to F off. And 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 do whatever he wants to do, sit the bench or play. Uh, but let's can we can and we have a lot to talk about today. But I just want to like briefly kind of talk about like is this good for the game in a way like so like and we talk we've talked about the ratings plenty right we you know the ratings yeah. are always in the headlines people are not watching the NBA anymore like I think for us growing up anyway like you're a Sixers fan. Um, I'm a I'm a Raptors fan. Like one of the things that drew me to the Raptors was like the guys, right? We had Demar and Kyle Lowry, and it didn't matter if we kept losing every year; those were our guys, right? Yeah. And then and then you know Kyle Lowry becomes this guy, and uh, you know you just have a certain connection to them, which which keeps you with the team. Like I don't think that that's how the younger NBA fans look at the NBA, where it's not teams; it's LeBron is on the Cavs, now he's on the Heat, now he's on the Cavs, now he's on the Lakers, those are my teams. KD right. on the Thunder, now he's on the Warriors, now he's on the Nets, those are my teams. Um, yeah. But when you do that, you lose, and it's something we've talked about is is the regional TV ratings are, are way down, right? The national ratings yeah. still get some good love. They're down, but not, not quite as bad as the regional rate. Do you think that yep. this kind of 2K player switching all the time, <laughs> and I know you're hosting today, but do you think this is good for the game? Um, from a player perspective, yes, they get to control their own destiny for the ratings. No. And maybe this is what it is. Maybe this is the underlying issue that no one has been able to pinpoint, um, you know, in the NBA is why the ratings have continued to decline. I think you have to look at it on a more local or regional level, because if, you know, especially for what you're really talking about is casual fans, right? Like casual NBA fans. Um, who watch the game for specific teams, right? They root for specific teams. When you really look at NF, if you look at like the NFL, right? And you look at NFL fan bases, like team loyalty is so deep in the NFL, 
Um, you know, it's almost like no one really, and, and maybe because the player empowerment is not there in the NFL, but like team loyalty is everything for mm-hmm. NFL fans. Like hardly anyone follows a player when he leaves their team in the NFL, but in the NBA, it's, it's completely opposite. Like they're like, Oh, well, I'm not a Lakers fan. I'm a LeBron fan. Yeah. You know, I'm not a Sixers fan. I'm a Joel Embiid fan. Right. I don't know. I don't know how many of those there are of those. But, right. you know, that's that's the thing. It's so, like, right now, unless the only teams with, like, actual fan loyalty, like, uh, you know, for the most part, it's still the Lakers. Like, there are people who will root for the Lakers regardless of who's on that team. The Sixers, uh, you know, your, um, your, uh, your major market teams, right? These are the ones that hold uh, – that, that still have that fan loyalty. But, like yeah. – what happened? Houston's not the Houston Rockets are not going to have a a big regional fan base right. without James Harden there. You know what I mean? And right now the fan base that the Rockets fans that are there are Rockets fans mostly because of him. So that's, well, that's that exactly, and that's like my thing is like if I'm a Houston fan right now, I'm like, bro, what what the hell? We just you know we've been through this together. Like you're our guy. Like what do you mean you're just gonna leave? Like you're just gonna. You're just gonna quit on us and, and go right. play with Brooklyn, like, and I think that turns people off, right? They're like, oh, yeah, do this, like, I'm not gonna. Who cares? Right, and like, if you were, um, if you were not a James Harden fan, like, you were a Rockets fan before he got there, mm-hmm. and then he leaves, Russ leaves, and like, you're in rebuild mode. Rebuild mode is not good for ratings in those regions, right? And then the Rockets mm-hmm. are not gonna draw any kind of national TV games. So, like, how long? Do the Rockets have to be bad or mediocre before those fans start to come back and watch? You know what I mean? So that's the kind of thing, uh, you know, that you're dealing with, especially when all your superstars are essentially on a handful of teams. Yep. You know, at least back when, you know, the ratings were at their their highest point. You know, Melo was with the Knicks. They had, did they have a chance at winning a championship? No. But they were good, right? Because Melo was with the Knicks, you know, they, and they were like a, they were a top five seed. Amari was there. You know, and there was more balance of power, even if you had the heat or even if you go back to the 90s, there was a superstar on almost every team or a a marquee player, I should say, on every team. That's not the case anymore. And and part of that is the player empowerment, but also is part of the tanking, right? Like a lot of teams will sell off their uh, their really good players or like not, you know what I mean? Like kind of what the I don't want to say what the Hornets did, but the Hornets just kind of let Kemba Walker go. You know what I mean? In free agency, like we're not going to pay you a super max because you know we'd rather have the cap flexibility. Mm-hmm. But then, like, who's going to watch a Hornets game if Kemba Walker's if Kemba Walker ain't playing? Right. Don't get me wrong, Devontae Graham was really good last year. But I, if I'm if my team's not playing against the Hornets, I'm not tuning in to watch Devontae Graham. I'm sorry. Yeah, you know and even I mean? and, and I think that's a, I think that's a great point because also like even if you have Kemba Walker and you're an eight seed every year or even if you're a ninth seed, or even if you're not making the playoffs, but you're close, like you're at least battling, like, but you have your guy. Like exactly. you have your city's guy. Like even if he's not the best guy in the world, like, like when I, like when DeMar was there and, and DeMar was our best player, like we knew we were going to lose to the, to the Cavs. Right. But he was our dude. Like we just loved him because he fought like for Toronto. Like now it's like, yeah. these guys just don't care. Like, and it's a larger conversation, I'm sure, about generational differences. But uh, I, I think it, I think it factors in. Well, Allen Iverson. 
Yeah, exactly. Kept the Sixers franchise exactly. afloat his entire career. Yep. Uh, by was where we ever went in a championship with him on the floor, probably not. Right. But boy, was he! I was at. I went to to a Sixers game to watch him drop sixty. I went to multiple Sixers games when they weren't good because of out. I mean, well, not they weren't bad, but they weren't championship caliber. And now it's just like with, with the way that the you know the teams are moving, it's like why even watch a team that isn't championship caliber because the the biggest and yeah. brightest names are all on the same teams now. Right, and think about the way you think about Allen Iverson, and, and we've argued um, off camera about <laughs> his, about yeah. his historical ranking. Right, um, but you have him, you have him very high in your historical rankings because he was your guy and he stuck with you guys. Like, imagine if. Uh, they lose. They lose the finals in 01. They, I think, they get bounced in the first or second round in 02, and then 03 they get bounced in the first round. And then he was like, you know what? Screw this. I'm out of here. Trade me. Well, like All you're right. probably gonna think of him a lot differently. Yep. You're probably gonna think about the league a lot differently in turn because of that uh, as a whole. Yeah, agree. So let's move on to our next topic, which is probably the biggest of the day. Uh, the NBA draft last night. Um, was held and you know quite a few surprises in this one uh starting with anthony edwards ended up going number one uh we actually talked about this right before the draft um we the timberwolves were taking a serious look at Lamelo. we both thought edwards was the right pick here um so the t-wolves did the right thing here right yes they they definitely did if they weren't going to trade it and there was reports that they were taking calls really right up until they put the pick in Right. Uh, but I think I think you kind of have to go with Edwards based on, you know, not only because because looking at this draft, right? There was three guys. There was there was Edwards, there was Wiseman, and there was uh, Lamelo. And if you're looking at it and you're and you're thinking, okay, it's hard to know who has the best upside. Really, probably any three of those you could argue had the best upside. Right. Uh, so who who's going to fit in with what we have right now? Who can we build around? Well, you already have Cat, so you probably don't want Wiseman. Uh, and you already have D'Lo, so you probably don't love the idea of a Lamelo D'Lo backcourt. So I think right. you kind of have to take Edwards and and hope that he ends up being this prolific scorer and and figures it out. So I, I think it's a good pick. I was not terribly surprised. Maybe maybe that's because we both said that we would take him. Uh, yeah. So I guess we, maybe we should be surprised when the Timberwolves do the right thing. Um, <laughs> but but I think it was a good move. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It was a good move. And um, I was a little bit surprised that um, that they took him because I was just kind of waiting for them to roll the dice on the mellow ball. Like like all the signs pre-draft were pointing to that with how much they were talking to him and, and working him out. I was just I was waiting for, you know, them to, to do it and, and then just kind of, you know, force D'Lo and, and Lamella Ball right. work. Um, I'm glad they did the sensible thing. And if we're being 100% honest, mm-hmm. I think Anthony Edwards has the most upside of all the of all the players here, besides Wiseman. Um, I agree. I think he might have and, won Wiseman even. Yeah, and I yeah, there's a legitimate argument there. Like, the dude is, what, 6'5", 225, or 6'4", 225, somewhere in that range. Like, he's mm-hmm. already got the NBA body. Um, he's a freak athlete. Like he's yes. the, he's by far the best athlete uh, amongst the wings or guards in the draft, um, and can shoot it, can handle it. Like he's he's definitely a scorer. Like sure, every young player has to work on shot selection. Every young player has to work on you know competing on defense. But like yeah. the the thing is, 
it's it's not a matter of can he defend it's a matter of you know will he defend right. and you know that's something that is really would come down to coaching you get the right coach that instills the importance of defense to him he will play defense and you know you talk about a guy who could be i think he has the potential of a 25 plus per game score mm. who can also be a good defender and at bare minimum you know i think he's a guy who could be you know 17 18 points a game like yeah. if he never really reaches his full potential i think the 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 floor for him as a score is like 17 18 and then at that point if he's a really good defender that's a heck of an asset to have on the wing spot i mean yeah. look at look at clay <laughs> clay thompson um who we'll get to later you know mm. averages about about 18 to 20 a game but because he defends so well, he gives you so much flexibility for what you can do as far as pieces around him. And he doesn't need the ball in his hands. And I think that's the same thing that's going to happen with Anthony Edwards here. He's not like someone who always needs to have the ball in his hands. He can play off it. He's a shooting guard for that reason. And, you know, you get him to buy in defensively. Um, and I think the Timberwolves have a really nice core here with D'Lo, um, you know, Towns and Edwards. Now it's a matter of getting these guys, someone coming in and being able to instill a championship mindset into these guys as far as how hard it actually, like how hard you actually have to play in order to do something like that. And they're, But they're all young still, all young. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the big question with Edwards, right? He's like, is the motor there? Does he have the drive? Does he have the, you know, the mama mentality, which is behind you? Like, does he have mm-hmm. that? Or is he going to be Andrew Wiggins? Is he going to be, you know, doesn't really want it that bad. Not really willing to work on the defensive end. Um, That's the big question for him. All of the potential athleticism, uh, you know, natural born scoring ability is there. It's just a matter of can you get this guy in the gym? I think they should probably look for some veterans to bring in. Uh, maybe not someone as fierce as Jimmy Butler, because that didn't work out well for Cat. Uh, but right. you need an adult in the room there. I don't think it's Cat. Um, so, right. so hopefully they make a move for somebody like that. Yeah. So we talked about uh, who actually went number one. The other person in consideration there was Lamelo. He ended up yeah. falling to number three, which was expected. I don't think there was any real chance that the Warriors were going to take him here, even with the Clay Thompson injury. Um, which again, we'll get into. Um, but yeah, he goes to the Hornets here at number three. And, you know, because he went to the Hornets here at number three, I think this was actually the perfect fit for him mm. um, of all the teams here in the lottery. Uh, because the Hornets were the one team where they could kind of ignore positional need um, and just kind of go after the, the most talented player available. And, you know, like I said, you know, Devontae Graham uh, is great. And I know you, you actually didn't pay, they didn't pay a ridiculous amount for Terry Rozier, but like maybe compared to what the market was for him. But like, you know, you got Terry Rozier, but like neither of those guys is box office. And I don't 100 percent know that either of those guys are a long term yeah. expectation for you. Right. Without other superstars there. So to me, and, and there really wasn't any other player that they have who fits that, who checks that box, right. Is like, this is the guy we're going to build around right. for our future. I think LaMelo is now becomes that guy, you know, or, or at least you're going to find out, right. To say, Hey, you know, this was the most talented player at the time. And arguably in some people's eyes, the most talented player in the draft, let's just go get him and we'll figure it out then. And, and then we'll structure our pieces around him afterwards. 
So I think it was a good fit. What were yeah. your thoughts on the mellow here going to the third pick? Yeah, I think I think it is a good fit. I think it's definitely a better fit than either Minnesota or Golden State, assuming he was going to go top three. Yeah. Um, I, I, I would have maybe liked to see Detroit try to trade up and grab him. But that would have been I, another I, team, yeah. I think that the Hornets thing is is great, and you know why? I think we have a real chance here to see what we've been waiting for for like three years now, which is a LeVar Ball versus Michael Jordan one-on-one. Let's make it happen. Pay-per-view, not even pay-per-view. You know what? We'll host it on the All-In Network YouTube page. <laughs> we'll go live with the one-on-one game, LeVar Ball versus Michael Jackson. We've been waiting to see it. LeVar's yes. been talking his talk. Uh, you know, I'm sure that he got to talk to Michael at some point, uh, as, you know, assuming that the Hornets probably knew that they were going to end up getting him at this spot. Yeah. Um, but in all seriousness, I do like the fit. I, I think, you know, as far as um, talent barren rosters go, it's probably them in Detroit is the top two. So you yeah. can kind of squeeze him in there and then just build it around him as much as we like Devontae Graham, Terry Rozier, who might still be moved, who knows. I don't know. Expectations for uh, LaMelo are interesting, right? So I, we'll see how he shoots the ball and how he plays with actual NBA athletes and not guys in Australia yeah. who is it's a good league, but um, it's a little bit different here. The passing ability is there. I liked whenever uh, uh, Jay Billis was like, they were talking about how good of a pass here is. And he's like, well, he can't shoot and he doesn't play any defense. But besides that, he should be good, right? He should be okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I think this is a good spot for him. Yeah, and, and when you talk about those two things, like his, he, he can't shoot and doesn't play any defense, um, he kind of reeks of Ricky Rubio in those Ooh. kind of cases. And we saw but he's what seven. Right, that's the difference. But, like, at the end of the day, in today's NBA, if you can't shoot yeah. and you can't defend, you know, uh, it's a, it's going to actually end up limiting what you can do with the ball in your hands, right? Because yeah. teams are going to sag off you and make you shoot from the perimeter. Um, so uh, that's going to be, uh, you know, the the first thing that he has to to work on. Because, like, granted, he could play, he could go his career without playing any defense, but not if he can't. You know what I mean? Not if he can't shoot the ball. Yeah. That's that's going to be the kicker there. So we'll see how that works out um, for him and Charlotte. Yep, and. That takes us to the number two pick, Wiseman, um, who I think pretty much everyone thought if the Warriors weren't going to take uh, or trade this pick, I think it was pretty foregone that Wiseman was going to end up here if uh, Anthony Edwards didn't go number one. Yep. Uh, so, one, let's talk a little bit. Let's talk about Wiseman first. Okay. Um, you know, his upside, what you expect from him, and how he fits with Golden State. No, I mean, I like Wiseman. I, I think that he's a high upside guy, especially in the league that has, you know, it went really small with the Warriors, and now it's kind of market correcting itself, and some, some big guys are, are becoming more important. So, so I don't think that um, he, he's not going to fit in in this league or anything like that just because he's a big guy. I like him a lot. I think he's got a high upside. We didn't really get to see him at Memphis much, unfortunately, yeah. and we, we did it was against, like, junior college guys. Uh, so, of course, he dominated. But, right. you know, um, I'm sure we're going to talk about the Clay Thompson um, injury. So, because of that, we probably are going to see him in an expanded role this year. And he might be able to work nicely off of Steph. Uh, yeah. If you think about it, Steph's never really had 
a guy like this, right? So probably the best big man center he had was Bogut, I'm thinking, yeah. right? Well, Bogut could never step out the way that Wiseman is able to. Right. Um, so I think he's got I think he's got ability to be an immediate defensive impact. And if he develops a three, he can step out right now, like kind of like midi. But if he steps out for a three and he's able to do the pick and pops with Steph and Spacey even more like the Warriors like to do, it might end up being a, a really good pick. I think it was a great pick, regardless of the Clay Thompson injury. I think he was the best plug and play fit that you could possibly find with this roster. Yeah. Um, and I think they were very fortunate that even without getting the number one pick, uh, getting the letting or the T Wolves getting the number one pick ahead of being the team that got it ahead of them, uh, ensuring that Wiseman was not going to go there. They never even talked to him. Um, so this was almost like them winning the lottery, right? With kind of. was, uh, here at this two spot. And, you know, uh, it also gave them trade leverage because, you know, with where everyone knew when the Teebles got the number one pick, it was going to be LaMelo or Edwards with, cause they have towns. Right. Mm-hmm. So it gave them leverage. They're like, okay, well, Wiseman's the perfect fit for us. And what we like to do, he's an athletic big man who runs the floor. So when we play, our fast tempo, he'll be able to do that. He's great in pick and rolls, um, which obviously Steph's going to love. Um, and, you know, he's a he's a lob threat, uh, which we've seen work a lot in Golden State's offense because of how often guys are able to slip screens uh, when they're yep. setting them off the ball, right? Or when Draymond Green comes off that roll, backside or helps side defender steps up and he just throws that lob. Uh, Looney, Bogut, JaVale McGee, like guys have – have eaten off of that. Um, and now you're getting a guy like James Wiseman, who's going to be uh, an immediate lob threat. So like you said, he's never really had a great center. Um, but like, if you, if you want to compare the, the only time they really had someone with his kind of length and athleticism was McGee. Right. And yeah. McGee looked really good um, with the Warriors in his time. There is so good that they started him against the Cavs in that, in one of those finals uh, in either 2017 or 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, when they won it, uh, because he all McGee was all McGee had to do was set some screens, and when two guys ran at Steph or Clay, he was just you know wide open for lobs all day. And you're telling me, bare minimum, that's all Wiseman has to do is block shots, rebound, and catch lobs on the other end. Well, like of course he can do that. Yeah. Um, but now you have a legitimate person who I think, um, you know, at least in one on ones and depending on the matchup, you can throw the ball down to Wiseman and say. You know, get a bucket down here in the post, or while you're in the post, we can run off a ton of screens, you know, on the backside or whatever, and we'll have those kickouts and things like that because he can—he's also a decent passer out of the post. So I think what he brings to the center position for them is something, like you said, is something that they never had. But uh, he is a the still with his athleticism and length, still the prototypical center that you want in the NBA if you're going to have someone that big, right? Yeah. Someone who is a long, athletic, runs the floor, uh, and he can even, you know, switch out to guards on occasion um, and, and has the foot speed to not be, you know, embarrassed on a consistent basis, you know, so you don't have that fear of switching kind right. of situation. I don't, I don't think you have that with Wiseman. So I thought he was the perfect fit. Um, yeah. Regardless of, you know. I'll player. be honest. I, I think he's the best player I would have taken him number one, even if I was the T Wolves. Really? Yeah, because I think he's I think he's that good, and I think the upside is is even higher than Edwards is. Yeah, I, I do. I think he has the highest upside in the draft. Um, 
you know, if you ask me. And, you know, you talk about someone who has the mid-range game, like you mentioned. Like you said, if he can step out and hit the three with the other things that he can do, right. like there would be no flaws in his game as a center at that point. If, if he can step out and hit the three, he, he'd have to get a little more consistent in the post um, with his back to the basket. But, like, who's really playing with a ton of post touches anyway? So, like, you know, really, as long as he can score there, uh, you know, so what's the four upside? out of five AD? It, upside, uh, yeah. I would say upside could be uh, – <laughs> That's a tough one, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, like that's, that's a tough one. But, I, you know, AD has increased his range since college. So, like, yeah, yeah I think it could, I think that could be his, his ceiling. And, like, his floor is, you know, pretty much every center in the league. Clint Cabello. Right, 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 exactly, yeah. Whatever, you know what I mean? Exactly. He's already a rim runner. Right, exactly. So, you know, his floor is starting, rim running, block, sure. shot blocking, rebounding center. Yep. Agreed. And that kind of leads us into, we talked about Clay Thompson's injury. So uh, Clay Thompson's injury news came out right before the draft. Uh, the Warriors obviously still took Wiseman, um, you know, with the number two pick regardless of this. And now... Uh, reports came out right before we started recording here today uh, that they are in serious talks with trading to uh, trading with OKC for Kelly Oubre. Um, I'm assuming they won't give up much uh, as they will try to keep their core together, but OKC isn't looking for much in return. Right. Uh, besides a ton of picks, which they will probably be close to like triple digits now over the next five years. Yeah, Something they're almost going to have too many picks. They're going to have to start trading some of their picks. They're going to be like Boston was – uh, a couple of years ago, whenever they made those tra- the trades with the Nets, they had too many picks. They didn't know what to do with them all. Right, and I think that's essentially they'll they'll end up packaging those picks to move up in drafts or get established players, whatever. Um, but you know, Kelly Oubre could possibly be the replacement here. I guess that slides Wiggins to the two, um, but he at least gives you that two way yeah. player. He ain't he ain't Clay Thompson, no. but um, you know, could be a possible suitable replacement although it's going to cost them quite a bit in luxury tax. Um, so what were your thoughts on the Clay news um, and what the Warriors are, are looking at as far as replacing him? It sucks. Uh, it absolutely sucks that um, he's injured again, and we're not going to get to see him for another year. Um, so this is going to be two straight, two straight years of no Clay Thompson in our lives, which is a shame because he's one of the most fun players in the league to watch. Yeah. Um, as far as the Warriors go, where they go from here, I just, um, you know, you wonder, you you worry about the load that is going to fall to Steph Curry. Obviously, we saw this last year with no clay, and, and Steph was, was being asked to do a lot, ended up getting hurt. You hope that doesn't happen again. If I'm going to assume that he doesn't get hurt, if I'm going to assume Steph doesn't get hurt and – uh, Dre doesn't get hurt, and it's this roster with with Wiseman. So, so that would be kind of the the main core. There is is Steph, may possibly Ubre, Dre, Wiseman. I don't know what's the ceiling on that team. Like a six seed? Yes. Yeah. Seven seed, really? Like I think they're a first round exit if they do make it. The West is good. Like they're gonna have, yeah. you know, depending on what Houston does, and, and we talked about the potential of them keeping those guys. If they keep them, they're probably ahead of the Warriors, at least in the standings. Uh, the Suns are going to be a new team. We expect Portland to be better. Like we just kind of went through this on our last pod when we talked about where Phoenix will fall. We're like, if the Warriors don't have Clay, 
because Clay does so much, right? It's not that it's not that he's also he's just a shooter, right? He's he's a floor spacer for Steph. Um, he is a absolute score all around score, even off of the dribble. Um, and the defense is is the biggest thing with him, right? He's not Clay Thompson if if he's not the defender he is, right? Um, and and to lose all of that, you just wonder where they make up for that on this roster right now because it's not a great roster. Yeah, right. And you know, Ubre will, um, like you said, he'll he'll plug. Uh, you know, he's a band aid, right? He's a band aid fix in this case. Um, and you know, defensively, he's. I don't think he's as good as Clay Thompson is. Um, and he's certainly not the same player offensively. But like you said, the dynamic that Clay Thompson brings on that offensive end, not just from his shooting perspective and floor spacing, but in their motion offense. Yeah. When you have to worry about both Steph and Clay coming off of screens for an entire possession, um, that opens up so much for everybody else on the floor. Like the game gets so easy for. The, uh, the other guys that are on the floor, especially those guys setting screens, because, you know, how many times have you watched a Warriors game and Steph came off a screen and two guys ran at him. So they got an easy layup from, you know, someone else uh, or same thing with Clay Thompson, where Clay Thompson comes off the screen, two guys run at him, you know, because those guys draw so much attention, they naturally make the game easier for everyone else. Um, and most people think about that from a, you know, a ball dominant player getting a ton of assists and they say that's making someone's the game easier. Well, these guys do it with their movement without the basketball. And really there's no way to replicate that, uh, the kind of attention that they draw without the ball in their hands, yep. um, you know, unless you shoot like them and no one really does. And maybe you want to say Seth Curry, but like Seth Curry's never going to draw the attention that these guys draw. Um, yeah. You know, regardless of whether he shoots 60% from the three, doesn't matter. Like these guys are, uh, you know, best of all time. They have that reputation, um, you know, <laughs> right. And it's just like, you know, it's, it's tough, man. And you're talking to, and then when you come to Clay Thompson individually, like your left ACL, right. Left knee ACL. And now your right, uh, you know, right Achilles, it's like, you know, how can you really expect to be the same defensive player? Can't. You know, coming yeah. back from that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, I wonder if he uh, was working out too soon and too much with coming yeah. off the knee and, and he was overcompensating with that yeah. with that right side. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's and that's my fear as well. Um, is is that maybe that's what it was. But I mean, they did give him ample time. I mean, it's what, November? You know, and and I think they were extra careful with him because of what happened to KD, right? Mm -hmm. um, I, and, and maybe this is just you know a freak accident, um, you know, uh, type of situation. But uh, you know, you have to assume that I don't know that even if you want to say he came back too early, or it's just you know a player can come back in the right time frame, but still have that mental, you know that mentality of trying to protect that knee and that's where the overcompensating comes in and these yeah. kind of things happen. Um, so it, it just sucks, man, because he was a month away from making right. this return. He had did everything he needed to do to come back. They said he looked good. Um, you know, and then this happens with just over a month before, uh, you know, opening day. So, uh, it's a crushing blow. Um, yes. you know, I, th I think the Warriors are a great franchise, um, and, and maybe trading for Ubre will, will help. Uh, but I just don't see how the dynasty recovers from this. It's over. Uh, going for it. Yeah. I, th I think it's over. I mean, you throw uh, this year away and then it's like, 
I just, I don't know. I, I just, you, you just can't guarantee that Clay Thompson comes back from an Achilles the same, um, you know, and it, and especially when you factor in like the, t- you know, the season after this is probably going to start at its regular time, right? So, you know, who knows? Yep, yep, yep. It sucks. Um, so before we move on to the next topic, I just want to brag a little bit because as oh. soon as the lottery, I put this up on the screen earlier, but I want to talk about it. As soon as the lottery happened, I picked the top three. So I just want to, you know, talk about how oh, much. Oh, how about that? See the date there for those of you watching on YouTube. Nice job. You should host a podcast about sports. <laughs> Tweet set August 20th. So good stuff. Congrats. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Now, rest of the yeah. NBA draft. Uh, yes. There were quite a few surprises uh, yes. throughout this as far as picks go. Um, what was your biggest NBA draft surprise, uh, pick related or trade related? Well, I'll start with this. My biggest disappointment and my biggest trigger um and this is not player or nba related at all this is espn related oh yes yes say it why are they so they're so like it's just like a love fest for everybody it's just a love fest everybody's great everybody's amazing you know there's no bad picks every player is the best player in the world and it's going to be a great pick This was not always the case for our young viewers out there. There was a time when people would get picked and the people on set would say, that was a terrible pick. They should have went with this guy. I've never seen a love fest like I saw that. You know, actually, I think I did. It was ESPN's coverage of the NFL draft. It was the same thing. And I don't know if it's just, you know, 2020. Everybody is feeling bad for each other because of all of the bad things that are going on right now or, or, or what it is. But I just can't take it. Like every pick, we have to have this love fest. And listen, I understand that people don't like to say uh, bad things right. about young men right now. Um, you know, this was kind of like Lamar Jackson for a while there. There was a, there was a couple, couple of weeks where, a couple of weeks for a while now, this whole season in the in the beginning of it, and then towards the end of last year, we're like. Think a lot, I think a lot of white guys in the media were like, well, I don't want to say anything about Lamar Jackson. That's too bad. Because right. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be yeah. that guy, you know, even right. though it's looking pretty bad. Well, now it's like these NBA guys. It's like we can't say anything bad about them. Like some of them aren't very good. Uh, you know, we watch some of these guys in college. They're not very good. The dude, you know, the some of these dudes are like 6'10", 100 pounds. Like are we supposed to say that they are good? Like, okay, whatever. That, that was my first gripe. Yeah. ESPN broadcast. Everybody's yeah. Curious. Everybody's yeah. too nice, man. Yeah, that and uh, I don't love the player comparisons always. I, I don't know oh. what to think it is behind a lot of them. But yeah. here's my biggest pet peeve, and, and it's what I thought you were going to say. Mm. Um, and it's it's not just ESPN. Um, it's other reporters. Yeah. Shams and Waj, I should say. Stop. Stop with the tweeting the picks before they happen. Oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm off Twitter, bro. Oh, I know. Oh, right. You're not. You're not. <laughs> I forgot. But for for people who are on Twitter, and I actually, for our account, have – thank you. Um, I actually have, uh, you know, for our All in Pod account, I have their tweet notifications. So I get that stuff and we can, you know, yeah. talk about it and, and stuff like that. And I'm just getting a notification every time a pick's coming up that, uh, you know, who the pick is going to be. And, of course, they're right because mm-hmm. they, they're the best at their job. But it defeats the purpose of the draft. Like, I wonder if 
ESPN is like, well, I, I mean, watch works for ESPN. So obviously they're, they're not upset about it. But my thing is like, I stopped watching after a while because like, I'm just like, okay, well I'll just, I follow watch. I know. Right, right. <laughs> so like, you know, and then after the first round, first 35 picks, I should say, nobody really cares. Right. So like, I don't know. That can't be good for ratings, right? Probably not. Yeah. That's uh that's interesting with him working for ESPN. But I think he's probably the ESPN is probably like, well, you don't tweet it, James is gonna tweet it. So Yeah, right. Yeah, so <laughs> you might as well. Right. So I mean to me that's such a it's a pet yeah. peeve. So I I, I don't it just is. blame Watch. I, I blame Shams. And maybe that's Yahoo's angle, right? It's to like yeah, might be. take their their it, although I don't know that Yahoo is a. well I guess he's the athletic now, right? He's the athletic. Chris Haynes yeah, is right. Yahoo. Yeah, yeah, Chris Haynes is Yahoo now. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I guess that's the athletics angle. Maybe it's like, well, Waj will have to do it, and it's it's going to take away from ESPN's ratings. I don't know, Maybe. but yeah. Okay, actual player surprises and trade surprises. I think Patrick Williams at four was kind of a surprise. Nobody acted nobody mean. acted surprised, right? But I was kind of surprised. I didn't think he was going to go number four to Chicago. That goes to your thing about the broadcast. It's like they're so busy talking everyone they up. Don't, exactly. <laughs> you missed that no one had Patrick Williams in their top five of a mock draft. No one. Nobody. Nobody. And, and I like Patrick Williams, but I didn't yeah. think he was going to go number four. So, so more just player stuff. I was surprised the Knicks took Obi Toppin just because um, – They have 17 yeah, power forwards. They've got 17 power forwards and uh, whatever. I mean, I guess if you're doing the – Amari Stoudemire comparison, which is the comparison that I made yeah, uh, yeah. back when we did our mock draft, the Amari Stoudemire. Yeah. I guess maybe they're going for that. And he's from New York. His interview – now, I will say his interview was really good. And he was yeah. crying. He was crying the whole time. So I liked that part. Uh, but nobody said he's 22 and um, doesn't play any de- – so that's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, player surprises. I wasn't too surprised after that with a lot of them. Um, Pelicans taking Kira Lewis Jr. I liked it. He went higher than I think a lot of people thought. Um, so he went 13. He went before Cole Anthony. Should Lonzo uh, be worried? I think Lonzo's. Well, like Lonzo sucks. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What's, what's he to be worried about? I don't think he should be worried uh, because they drafted Kira Lewis. I think he should be worried because he sucks. And, like <laughs> if, if he needed a reason to get in the gym, well, maybe this is the reason, I guess. So, yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, that's that's the biggest surprises for me, uh, player wise. So for me, um, I thought um, Isaac Okoro went kind of high. Um, yes. Although I get it, I, I actually really like him. I um, but I thought five was a little high. But both the Bulls and the Cavs were kind of in a situation where, like, the next player available was uh, Oh Kongwu. Um, yeah. You know, I thought the Cavs at least might have gone with him. He was the next. He was the next best big, and they don't have a ton of. Well, they yeah. have Drummond and Love right now. So, oh, like, right, right, right. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So they're like, and and just so you yeah. guys know, I I also claim the Cavs to a small degree. They're terrible, but I do live in Cleveland, so I do claim the Cavs a little bit. Um, I feel bad for uh, Isaac Okor because I really like him too. He's a great defender, but he can't shoot at all. But at all. he's going to go play with Colin Sexton and Darius Garland. Who, um, you know, my favorite defensive stat is is defensive uh, box plus minus. I think I talked about that one quite a bit. They're like two of the worst six in the league, in the entire right. league, position not position uh, stringent. So 
he's going to go play with those two terrible defenders. And every time he tries to drive because he can't shoot, he's going to have Andre Drummond and Kevin Love in the lane. So I feel bad for him, but I'm excited as a uh, as a partial Cavs fan. I like that pick for them. I also like yeah. Okongu. I like Okongu to yeah. the Hawks. Yes. Yeah. I wonder what they do with Clint Capella, or if they plan on bringing him all, you know, bringing him along off the bench. Yeah, maybe. Uh, um, you know, and and obviously, I don't know how many people were expecting him to be like their franchise center. So maybe maybe they weren't. Um, but yeah, I, I like that pick for them. I liked, um, I actually like the Pistons rolling the dice with Dillian Hayes. Yeah. Yeah. Halliburton He's the younger like guy with, I would say more outside. So, you know, it makes sense there. Yeah. Um, I like Killian Hayes. Uh, reminds me a little bit of D'Lo. Yes. Um, I thought Jalen Smith at 10 to the Suns. Yeah, that was, that was, that was, was a shocker with Evan Vassell. Yeah. Right. And, and I guess they expect him to play the four. Well, he can uh, shoot. Yeah, he can step out and shoot. Oh, yeah. But, like, the big the big stretch four isn't really a thing anymore. It's mostly, like, small forwards who can't really play small forward anymore. Like, right, Cam right, Johnson. Right, 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 right. You know what I mean? Like, Cam Johnson was actually really good at the four. So, yeah. uh, you know, That's I don't know. I, I was thinking maybe they go Vassal and go Chris Paul, Booker, Vassal, Mikhail Bridges, yes. DeAndre Ayton, small. Well, you, you know, know I love Vassal. Vassal in this draft is, like, my guy, like, and um, we we when we did our mock draft, which was a million years ago, um, my player comp was Paul George. Mm. ESPN's player comp was Anthony Davis. I don't. <laughs> they were like, well, no one's been as efficient as him. They were talking so, about his efficiency. Like, so, yeah, like... so that one didn't make sense. But whenever he was available and the Spurs were on the clock, I. Uh, no, I knew he was going there, and I changed my player comp to Kawhi. I like that. I mean, that's obviously like highest ceiling right. possible. Right. Um, but but like, I really like Vassal. Yeah, and if you go back to what Kawhi was coming out, he was Devin Vassal. Like he was yes. not what we know today. He did not have this handle. He did not shoot it like he does he now. First round pick. Right, and he was the he was the fifteenth pick of the draft. So the Spurs yep. have a way of developing guys who aren't, uh, you know, top ten or or super high lottery picks into good players. I think Devin Vassell has to be thinking like, wow, I don't think I could have gotten to a better situation. Um, yeah. And when you look at it, like I don't know, DeRozan opted in this year, but I doubt he's there past next year. Now Lonnie Walker and Devin Vassell wing duo. Like it's a nice young duo growing up. So, I like this first. Uh, I'm buying Spurs stock right now with Dejounte Murray. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. At the point, Dejounte Murray at the point, getting healthy. That's a nice top three right there. I was surprised Tyrell Terry fell. Uh, yeah, that was someone that I think we were, me, you, and Taylor were all pretty high on coming out of Stanford. Um, but I like the fit that he got in Dallas to play alongside yes. to play alongside Luca, and they just traded. Um, Seth Curry, which we are right. about to talk about, but yeah. uh, I do like that fit as well. Yeah, and actually, I, I, I low key wanted Cole Anthony to fall there because mm. um, Dallas was going to be looking for, um, you know, obviously a point guard yeah. in this draft. But yeah, uh, Tyrell Terry was a good pick for them. Um, yeah, so those are the only real surprises that I had. Um, yep. I did like, looks like I think RJ Hampton. Yeah, I don't know Milwaukee. if he stayed. Yeah, went to. Milwaukee. Um, I'm not sure if that's getting traded or not. If oh, that was really? part, of, I'm not sure if that was a part of a deal. Did you see his dad on the broadcast? 
Uh, he, threw, he, he threw the Milwaukee hat and swore exclusives on ESPN. Really? I missed I that part. After this, I, I, I don't doubt. Oh, do you? Okay. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't think he was happy to go to Milwaukee. It's cold up there. Year. Sorry, laptop bad. I wanted to do that. That's oh, okay. I down, but uh, I couldn't get couldn't get over there in time. So we'll just have to edit that out. Okay. All right. So I think we were about to switch, right? Yes. Yep. Yes. You can just you can just start with the switch, and I can edit it where. It, Sounds okay. Okay. So uh, let's move on to my beloved Sixers. Yep. Who had some draft day trades and picks um, that we have to get into because uh, Daryl Morey was hard at work today, or I'm sorry, yesterday. Um, we'll start with the Al Horford trade. Yep. Uh, Al Horford, uh, 2025 pick. Um, and I think a, another second rounder uh, was sent to the Thunder for Danny Green, who they recently acquired through the Lakers trade with Schroeder, um, and also Terrence Ferguson. Uh, so a couple of wing players um, being added for the Sixers. So let's break down that trade first. Uh, what were your thoughts on uh, you know Al Horford being dealt to OKC? No, I think you had to do it, right? Um the Al Horford experiment in Philly was um, just a total disaster, uh, as, as I think you would agree. That was uh, a, maybe a good idea if if you were thinking one way, but I think it ended up being very bad. Uh, so I think yeah. you had to try to move him. I'm surprised that they were even able to move him with the contract and, and with the way he played last year. Uh, but I think you you know you probably look at it from an OKC perspective, and you're like, okay. We'll take on Horford and we'll swap this Danny Green contracts and give us a few picks for our trouble. I think you're okay with that when you're in rebuild. And then maybe Horford comes along. I think Horford might actually have a nice season in Oklahoma City this year. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, he does have a nice season. So, but I like it for the Sixers. They get shooters. Um, you know, not only Danny Green, but Ferguson is in that trade, I believe, right? Yep. yep. Um, so that's that's big, right? Those are two big shooters. We talked about this Philly team. We weren't sure where the shooting was coming from to go around 
Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. I think this, and and other thing we always talk about with them is the spacing. It definitely helps. Definitely helps the spacing. You switch out Horford for two shooters. Yeah, exactly. So, and you know, a lot of people were like, was initially um, when Waj tweeted it, it just said first round. It didn't say what year the pick came in, um, and uh, obviously Twitter, who which is famous for its lovely overreactions, went up in arms. Like, really? why would you? Why are you giving up a first round pick when because they, they look on the surface, they're like, why would you give up a first round pick for Danny Green? Well, we're not giving up the first round pick for Danny Green. We're giving up the first round pick to get rid of Horford. Right. Like that was the <laughs> point. Like in order for you to dump a contract like that on someone, you have to give up picks. Right. Like, especially when uh and and okay and an OKC's, you know, thing is like, okay, well, you know, this is what you do in rebuild mode because you're not necessarily worried about bad contracts. Because uh, you're rebuilding, you want to be bad, so you'll take on bad contracts like Horford's in return for future first round picks or you know immediate first round picks, uh, which is part of the reason they took Danny Green, which is not a great contract, um, yeah. but you know he he comes with a pick, so you take it. Uh, so it, it worked for both sides. Uh, you know, the, the Thunder got one of the 102 picks that they now have over the next five years. And, <laughs> you know, the Sixers got rid of one of the worst contracts in the NBA, period. Yep. And I want and I say that because, uh, like you said, I actually do think Horford's going to have a good year in OKC. The problem wasn't Horford. The problem was what you were asking Horford to do, which yeah. was be a power forward. He is to, in today's game. He's a center, and not only did you ask him to be a power forward, you asked him to be a power forward with Ben Simmons as your point guard. That was and, and Joel Embiid as your center. That right. was never ever going to work um, under any circumstance. It's just uh, you know I think anyone with a, a basketball brain saw that when the free agent signing happened. Um, so you know it's it's good that they got rid of that contract and with how old he is that yep. there was no reason to ever pay someone that old that much money for that long. Um, so Daryl Morey did a great job getting rid of that contract and acting shooting with uh, that trade. Same one about Danny Green. Um, I think he will shoot the ball better than he did in the bubble simply because there will be more movement. Uh, yes. So and and I think he needs that. He's I don't think he's. You know, a lot of shooters are hurt by just standing still the entire possession and having to catch and shoot. A lot of times that movement and that flow helps. Um, so I think he will shoot the ball better, and he plays defense. Like you know, yeah, there does. aren't too many guys, there aren't too many three and D guys in the league. Uh, even though that's where the trend is going, it's hard to find guys who actually do both. Um, so and then Terrence, Terrence Ferguson is a younger, you know, three and D will be three and D player. He's not quite a great shooter, but. Uh, you know, is improving in that area and he's super athletic. So, um, you know, obviously a, a good fit there. And your pick isn't that, that you gave up isn't until 2025. Like, f- hopefully that pick is the 30th pick of the draft anyway. Well, hopefully. Right. So that, that's the point. So uh, let's move on to trade number two, mm-hmm. uh, which was made during the draft. But uh, in this case, it was Josh Richardson and a first round pick. Uh, again, a future first-round pick um, for Seth Curry. Yeah, from the you Dallas Mavericks. I loved it, and again, not because I don't like Josh Richardson. I really like Josh Richardson. I thought he was a great return back when we let Jimmy Butler go. I thought that was great, and you know, I, I still like Josh Richardson. I didn't even think he was that bad of a fit. However, 
Matisse Thibel makes him expendable. Danny Green makes him expendable. Sure. Uh, Terrence Ferguson makes him expendable. So uh, when you talk about the wings that you now have, um, well, we need more shooting, right? That's what you need this floor spacing around Ben and Joel Embiid if you're not going to separate the two, which is the Sixers have been adamant about. They're going to keep going with those two. Well, now you have to put the shooting around them. So uh, Seth Curry likely comes off the bench still. Um, but we also needed a, a perimeter scoring player off the bench and Seth Curry provides that. So, yep. um, you know, I, I thought that was an excellent trade. That's one of the I best agree. shooters in the NBA. You can't ask for much more there. Um, and not only is he a good shooter, he moves well without the basketball and he can put the ball on the floor. He can play and pick and rolls. Like he's not just a standstill. He's not a Kyle Korver type. Yeah. Um, you know, I think he's even better with his, obviously he's better with the ball in his hands than JJ Redick. So like, you know what I mean? He gives you a different type. Now he doesn't offer much on the defensive end, um, but you don't trade for him asking him to do anything like that. Um, so I thought that was a great trade. What were your thoughts? I thought it was a great trade. trade. Little jab by Doc Rivers at Paul George on the way out the door. Huh? You, hey, I got, I got your ex's husband. On the team, um, you know, hey, yeah, you know, so maybe that was it. Maybe he just wanted his uh, son-in-law. So I think it's a great, I think it's a great deal, right? I mean, he's a great shooter. You know, you give up Jay Rich in a first-round pick. Now, maybe you're looking at it and you're like, I hope we don't suck in four years. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and and this is what you do though when you're going to go. You're going to put the chips in. You yeah. got to give up the picks. Uh, and you're in clearing that case. money. Clearing money with both of these trades for James Harden? Possibly, possibly. possibly. And, you know, if, uh, you know, if I'm the Rockets, you know, I'm certainly intrigued in uh, what Philly has, yeah. um, you know, to, to offer in, in return, I think more than what the Nets can give me back. It's just my opinion. Nets don't have Ben Simmons. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, like, you definitely cleared up enough cap space. um, You know, it, and I actually, I think they can do it without giving up Ben Simmons. Um, You know, I, I don't know. I don't know how that works. You'd certainly have to give up Matisse in that case. Um, But, you know, we'll see how that, how that shapes out. Uh, And then with their only first round pick at the number 21 spot, they take Tyrese Maxey. So what were what are your thoughts on Tyrese Maxey, freshman out of freshman guard out of Kentucky? I like I like Maxey. We talked about him on the mock draft, and we're starting to sound like ESPN because we like all these guys. <laughs> um, but I think he's an athletic guy, and depending on who he's around, I think that makes a lot of the difference, right? But I think with this yep. roster, he fits in okay, especially when you are adding all these shooters, and you're yep. also adding Joel Embiid. Um, I, I like Maxey. I think I think it's a good pick for them. Yeah, I like Maxi um, mostly because he again gives perimeter scoring. It's going to come off the bench um, in this case. Well, they need uh, and, that. right, exactly. And in and in his case, um, he's a guy where uh, it gives him time to develop. Right, like there's no pressure on him being a go-to scorer right away. Um, his shot can needs to get a little more consistent, um, you know. And I think if that happens, he could very much be like an instant offense type mm-hmm. of player, you know, um, off the bench or as a starter, as That's we've nice. seen, you know, some guys be in the league. Um, but what I really like about him is that he defends. 
he has a pit bull like mentality on the defensive end. Um, and so when he's in the game, he will not be a liability. I don't think on that end of the floor, um, at bare minimum, he's going to compete. Like a, a lot of times they task him on, uh, guarding the other team's best player. So, yeah. And you talk uh, about him, Simmons, Thibel, that's, it's a lot of good defensive guards, man. Uh, yeah. you know, especially, you know, maybe when your second five is in, um, you know, that takes pressure off of Seth Curry having to defend. How often is a sure. team's bench going to have two guards that can score, you know, Maxi becomes that guy. A um, little bit of a combo guard. I think he has to. I think he needs to be more of a point guard. Maybe, maybe not because of Seth. But I think he has to, uh, you know, become more of a facilitator. I would say um, with that second unit, uh, that's an area of his game where he'll need to be. He'll need to improve. Uh, but again, there won't be a ton of pressure for that to happen right away, um, which I think is the perfect situation. Six yeah. three, six eight wingspan. Um, you know, I, I think he has high upside, if you ask me. I agree. So the Sixers, for once in my lifetime, had a really good draft day. Um, and I got to – honestly, I got to apologize a little bit to Daryl Morey. I didn't love him. I didn't love the idea of him coming to Philly. I didn't love oh, yeah. him bringing him in. Um, and it's because I was so scared that we were going to see what happened with the Rockets. Uh, and I think instead what we're seeing – um, which and granted the Rockets weren't terrible. They got really close, but like that style of, of like super small ball, you yeah. know, the, the, the all analytics, no basketball thinking whatsoever um, was a concern to me. But now I think when you balance him with like a doc rivers and an Elton brand, like who are, are kind of the three guys making the decisions. You have like the one guy who's like analytically really smart, right. And Daryl Morey. And then you have two guys who have actually played and, played in the NBA slash coached in it for a really long time who kind of understand that, you know, that part of it where you get the balance. And I think that's what we're seeing here. We're like, okay, well, we're adding the shooting with Seth Curry, Danny Green, Terrence Ferguson, even yeah. possibly Maxi, right? But we're not sacrificing a ton of defense, you know what I mean? Or we're not, uh, you know, we're not sacrificing too much size. We still have enough size. Uh, to where we're not completely playing with six five six six centers like the Rockets were. Yeah. Uh, so I like what they're doing, man. I, I like what Daryl Morey has done. Uh, most we, of the uh, issues have this? been resolved. Can yeah. we timestamp this? This is episode fifty four. <laughs> so that means we've been doing the All In podcast for how long? Have we been doing the All In podcast? Eight months? Nine months? Yeah, something like. Wait, just it's been a while. It's been May since May. It's about six months. So six months? Yeah, six months. That is the first nice thing you've said about a Philadelphia sports team. <laughs> <laughs> yes, listen, take it where you can get it, Daryl Morey. There you go, man. It's uh, it's it's things are looking sunny in Philadelphia. Wow. Beautiful. You're on a roll today, man. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, last thing we just want to cap off the show with uh, is some recent de- a recent development out in Boston. Gordon Hayward mm-hmm. declined his player option. Um, and will become an unrestricted free agent. He was um, involved in a lot of trade talks, and when the Celtics season ended, we actually discussed that the Celtics do need to get rid of that, not him, but that contract, uh, which they will do by default, um, and we're probably going to do with a trade. And the Knicks are interested now. Um, So let's talk about what this means for the Celtics first as far as what it opens up for them. Uh, I don't think it hurts the Celtics that much. To be honest, um, Gordon Hayward's not been the same guy since he got hurt for a while now. And 
This yeah. kind of is all, has all stemmed from him not being the same guy. And Brad Stevens uh, has noticed it, and it reflected in the minutes. Like, if I was Gordon Hayward and I expected to be this guy who signed for this max deal, and I was this guy in Utah, and I was in the playoffs last season as the fourth or fifth option at times, I probably would have declined my player option too. Now, I don't know if I would have declined $34 million player option. Yeah. But I think he has options. Uh, I would not be surprised. You know, the Knicks, maybe they make a move. I, I can't see him on the Knicks. Um, I can't see Indiana. And yeah. I think the most obvious is Indiana. You know, obviously he is a Indiana legend because of Butler. Yep. You know, a sign and trade deal. You know, they're looking to move Oladipo probably anyway. So, so maybe there's a signing trade with Oladipo going somewhere else. Um, and, and Hayward signing there. Wouldn't be surprised at all. That's probably the most likely scenario, honestly, at this point. Yeah. Um, but for the Celtics, I don't know how much this actually affects them. You don't think? I don't know. I just, I just, you know, like if they're replacing his minutes with Neesmith, who they just drafted. I think I'd rather have Neesmith. Um, he is a sharp shooter, like absolute flamethrower, right? Probably the best shooter in this draft. And I think that's more of what they need, you know, surrounding the pieces that they already have with Kemba and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. I think I might rather have that in the rotation. Yeah. Obviously he's better than Brad Wanamaker and, and Semi Ojale. But I don't I don't know how I don't know how big this drop off is for them. Agreed. Um, and not only did they get Naismith, they got Desmond Bain. It was also going to be a good two-way wing. Um, they got Peyton Pritchard, um, yep. the point guard from Oregon, who I think will give them some depth. So, like, I think they got a lot of depth, one, just on the three guys that they got out of the draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now they have some flexibility here in free agency. Um, I, I think the Miles Turner uh, was a discussion as far as a trade. I think that might fall through mm-hmm. with Gordon Hayward opting out. Um, which is interesting. I wonder if him opting out was kind of like, well, I'll control where I go, right? You know, rather than you know taking this thirty-four million and you guys sending me to a wasteland, you know, I'll, I'll see what's out there for me on the market. I don't know. I probably would have took my chances with the twenty with the thirty-four million. I think so. But uh, yeah, me too. You know, what I mean, I would. Have, I can waste that year for thirty-four. Million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. right. <laughs> um, but you know, different shirts for different folks. Sure. Uh, you know, but uh, for this for the Celtics, it's certainly not a negative. Um, especially when you talk about Naismith and uh, and and Desmond Bain uh, will will you know replace those minutes, um, but it gives you the cat flexibility to do other things um, and address your your center needs and also bench depth. So yeah, I I I think the Celtics are kind of like wow, thanks. Right <laughs> now, now we don't have to worry about like shopping that contract, which was going to be difficult. Yeah, it was. So. All right. Well, that wraps it up for today's show. Um, as always, it was great talking some NBA. For, it was. You know, after, uh, you know, talking about all these guys bashing their heads in on a football field. Right. So, it was nice talking some NBA. One day we'll talk soccer again, too. Yeah, yeah. We got to we, – we do have to get a <laughs> soccer episode in, don't we? We might have to yeah. do a – we need. We might have to do a special episode or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so, guys, make sure uh, if you're tuning into this either on the audio or on the YouTube uh, that you go download our new app uh, available now on the Apple Store and Google Play Store. Um, It's where you can follow our social media feed, listen to our podcast. Uh, You can also 
uh, get easy access to our website. There you go. Uh, Mike has it there on your screen if you're watching on YouTube. So make sure you download that on your smartphone or tablet. Um, it's uh, the All-In Network app. You can search it and easily find it uh, on the App Store or Google Play Store. Uh, and for those of you listening on audio, biggest help, ratings, uh, subscribing, uh, things like that uh, are all huge helps to for us getting found by other people who could potentially listen. Yep. Uh, so after you listen, make sure you leave a rating. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Um, and if you have time, leave a, write a review on what you think about the show. Um, and, and we will also check those comments and use it as feedback to improve the show. Um, so three different ways you can help us for free. Yeah, absolutely. The the ratings and reviews, we really can't talk about it enough how important that is. Um, it's, you know, that's how technology works now is you subscribe and then other people see stuff. So uh, show some love. You know, you guys already do in our audience. So we appreciate it. Head over to allinnetwork.net too for, for all the latest updates. All of our podcasts are home there so you can find all of them um, as well as our blog, which which always has good updates and Coop's Power Rankings. So Yep. Uh, yeah, make sure you guys are doing all that. We appreciate it. Yeah, so thank you guys for tuning in to episode 54 of the All In Podcast, and we will see you guys again next week on Monday. Have a great day.